Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Brown Bag Bets, powered by BetSports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex, and joining me as always, fresh off a birthday Sunday. Sorry, folks, we know we're a few minutes late. It's not just Andy and I going slow. Our computers were having some trouble oh. this morning, but we're here just a few minutes late. Happy birthday, Andy. How was it? You know, I'm old, so they're not as fun anymore. Like, my son legitimately asked me how old I was, and I had to think for a second. <laughs> Like once you have to start doing math, you're like they don't matter anymore. But it was nice. Uh, tough to find a tough to find a restaurant on Easter because I just wanted to go to a bar and grab some appies with the wife. And yeah, like a lot were closed, but a favorite of mine was open, so went and got some drinks, some calamari, a nice wedge salad, Love had a few wedge. drinks at home, enjoyed the rest of the evening, and you know what? Um, we're back into it. It's Masters week. We have the national title game uh, as we. Talked about last week, we're going to have Mr. Mazzola on the deep dive. Not only on the deep dive, but deep dive early. Mondays, you know our normal time on the deep dive. It's like 7 central. That's not going to be conducive with the uh, national title game. So we're going to a couple hours early. I'll post about that. We're going to have a special golf guest on later in the week here on Brown Bank Bets. And lots of Masters content. I am way behind in Masters content as it is. I need to catch up with that. I need to catch up. I want to start betting baseball tomorrow. I finally got my Baseball Survivor League stuff figured out. But, yeah, today is it's the Natty. It was an exciting Saturday. Like, uh, it was great. That was awesome. Uh, I expected one game to be good and the other game not to be good, and it was the opposite of that. So either way, I, we got a great ending. We had a fun, we had a fun ending there. It was, it was a lot of fun. All things considered, if UCLA would have moved on, I'd be in much better, a worse mood right now. No, it was an absolutely fantastic game. You've seen a lot of tweets going back and forth. Was that the greatest college basketball game? A lot of people using that kind of hyperbole, and it's one of the few times I think that it's probably acceptable to use that kind of hyperbole. I mean, that game was as good as any basketball game you're going to watch from a pure entertainment standpoint, how close it was, both teams coming back, the shot to win it at the end, going into overtime, the whole thing. I mean, it was just spectacular. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I watched it back a bunch of times just because it was wild when when that happened. I was I cheat sometimes, too, and I watched the live the live, you know, betting just to see. I was I was watching that a lot during overtime. And it's funny you can tell who like in the in the Twitter chats who's streaming on like a slower streaming platform because they're always just like 45 <laughs> seconds behind. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, you see the bang. It was like a minute ago, bud. Yeah, it was a little delayed. But uh no, we'll uh we'll get into the night's game later, but we'll probably start like we always do in the association. Is there a big slate today or not? I feel like it I feel like it's just seven on a day like today. Yeah, just seven games today. I'm a little surprised with all the games they have to cram in, but things have been pretty busy. We've got seven games. Only one stood out to me um, for any particular price here. We're going to bet on the Sacramento Kings. I was actually able to get minus three earlier, so make sure you follow me on BetSports. Alex Christensen, no space there. So um, congratulations to those of you that got the early number. Still like it at minus four, which looks like it's still available most places. The occasional four and a half popping up here, but Sacramento is going to go visit Minnesota here. Um, Minnesota has been, frankly, one of the worst teams um, in the league over the last couple of weeks. Sacramento really yes. starting to put it together and play better. Um, ever since they've been without Marvin Bagley, you can see the team playing a different style of basketball. You can see it showing up on the numbers. All their offensive efficiency is up. Defensive efficiency has been able to hold. So they continue to get better and better and better. Again, I like them as favorites on the road here. They're healthy. Everything looks pretty good. Um, Minnesota looks like they're going to be without Ricky Rubio. Um, you know, maybe not the most impact 
impactful player, but defensively, I think they're really going to miss him tonight with De'Aaron Fox running around, kind of doing whatever he wants. So happy to lay the points tonight with the Kings. I look at my numbers here. I have this uh, six and a half, almost seven. So again, we play four, maybe four and a half for a smaller stake, or if you get four and a half at less than standard juice, that's probably okay. But this is just about the limit for me. We'll take the Kings tonight, Andy. The Kongs. It's a team I like, and hopefully my guy keeps doing well because I uh, I think my Luka number from early in the season is kind of dead, especially all things considered with the negative. You, know, you never know. That team could get hot. He needs a bunch. They need to make a run, and he needs a shitload of triple doubles and yeah. maybe a, hi- a highlight dunk or two. But uh, And, you know, if the Timberwolves continue to just be putrid, I think Edwards will continue to drift in that rookie year market. So Team Halliburton, I'm Team Halliburton till I die. That's how I live. That's what I need. Um, Tonight, like I said, and I've talked about this repeatedly, I have a Zags future. I'm not hedging because I just rarely hedge. Somebody did DM me and ask that question. And I think it's, it's something we've gone over before but I will mention it again. There are three reasons to hedge. Because essentially, if you think about the, like if you have a Zags or a Baylor ticket for that matter, I know somebody with a 55 to one on Baylor. If you have a Zags ticket or a Baylor ticket, you know, go look at the money lines right now and look at your price. You are betting at 10 to one, maybe with the Zags and plus 5,500 on a dog. That's what, I don't even know what the money line is. Probably like two to one right now on Baylor. So the amount of closing line value you have on that market by placing a future that's, you know, forever old or how old it is, is is staggering either way. And you shouldn't just look to hedge it. That said, you should probably, you know, evaluate your personal situation. That's where it comes down to. If you're long-term value math guy, you just team never hedge. But there are three situations. If if you stand to win an uncomfortable amount of money, you know, per your bankroll or per your betting, you know, hedge. It's fine. Take the guaranteed cash, especially if you have, you know, if you have a massive number on Baylor at like 55, you, you can hedge pretty easily. And the same thing with Zags, 8, 9, 10 to 1. You can take the dog and you can take like, uh, you know, 40% of the stake you're you're planning on win guaranteed no matter what. So it, or closer to 60, actually. I should do the arbitrage. Either way, you can take some guaranteed profit. The other two are if you stand to lose an uncomfortable amount of money. Now, remember, the amount you're going to win isn't that's you know that's unrealized at this point but if you know if you really laid it and you put you know a shitload of money on a future at a short price sometimes hedging is worth it just for the peace of mind and uh the fact that you put yourself in a good position you know these aren't i don't know maybe somebody who bet the zags later in the tournament at like plus 120 if you went and put half your bankroll on that which i would never recommend but if somebody did that and they wanted to hedge now i would have no problem with that that's another instance and really the third almost falls into the never hedge team because it would truly not be a hedge but the third situation would be if you are uh you know someone who has a model someone who creates numbers someone who does even things more you know nar- not narrative based but more qualitatively than that and you legitimately think there's value on the other side of the bet you know in this case let's say you had a zags future and you think they should be laying two 
and you are betting the college basketball, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, what have you, if you absolutely think there's value on the other side, you shouldn't let, you know, the fact that you're not, you know, you should not hedge, to, you know, stop you from placing that bet. Because actually, truthfully, that's not a true hedge. You know, that, that is one way that you could win both. And, I, you know, I will mention that, too, if you are sitting on a favorite and you have a long number, again, Zags, 8, 9, 10 to 1, and they're favored here, betting Baylor plus 5, you can win both. Like, that's a – it's mm-hmm. guaranteed money. You know, you'd guarantee yourself money one way or the other, but there is a five-point middle, a four-point middle, really. You can't yeah. – there's a four-point middle where you could win or push – and still win your Gonzaga future. So there's a few different ways to go about this. It has to be right for you. Like don't and really if you're on a if you're on a Baylor, you have a lot of wiggle room. Even if you have eggs yeah. minus two hundred, you can you can wiggle a shitload if you have fifty or one to better. So really, you know, kind of judgment call. If you have any questions, DM or tweet or whatnot. But uh I'm I'm just writing it out and uh actually I'm uh you even got something, don't you? You got to play in this game. I know you're not a big college basketball better, like big team college basketball better, if you will. No, oh, the, you know the Zags are a mid-major team. That's true. Yeah. I guess you're right. I'm not. I'm not too scared of this, but I, I shoot. I'm not. I didn't even put it in Bettsburg's yet. I'm going to put it in right now. I am going to be over, um, over 159. This come down. There was some 160, 160 and a half. I think he maybe even a little higher at like Chris. So I'm comfortable taking this at over 159. I don't love the matchup for Baylor on defense. Like this isn't this isn't a great matchup for them defensively. You know, we saw what they were in the middle of the season. They had a lot of troubles, but they were on COVID breaks. Like this is why the Baylor Bears were always going to win their region, probably make the finals. They are a top two team in the country. Absolutely. They had really bad luck with COVID. They had some weird breaks and they looked like shit. Um, you know, the, the Kansas game comes to mind. They, there are times they just look bad and really they are coming into form. Their defense is playing a lot better, but this is still a bad matchup. Gonzaga is never going to go ISO. They're always moving. If you if you catch them in transition, you're all but fucked. Like they're just they have too many. And the way, um, God, the guy with the mustache, Timmy, yeah. like, uh, the way he looked against really good players. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much I can pump up an 11 seed. Although as far as they win, I guess I have to. But the way he looked and just when he gets the ball inside against anybody, it's just like he's just gonna. It looks like sh- I hate to make this comparison, but we just watched some of those Shaq highlights from his run at LSU, yeah. where it's like he just gets the ball, turns around, and and you know, the, like not even a layup, even like a little push layup. He's just continually doing that, and you know, the the guy, the UC USC guy, is supposed to be the number one draft pick. It just made him look foolish at times, sometimes inside all of those USC defenders who I loved going into that game. I loved him throughout the first few rounds. And I mean, the way he looks, and then obviously Suggs with uh, what he can do. We saw some, uh, the, the game winning shot was great. Like it the game winning shot will always be remembered, but the block and the feed down the court. Like that was better, but that was way better. Yeah. In my that was so like, as far as a sequence, that was so awesome. So, you know, Suggs, Suggs is a lot of fun. Um, and here's a little from Patrick P., longtime viewer, listener of the Brown Bag. 
offering Timmy um, most outstanding player at plus 270 on Friday. That's probably not it. I'm, I'm guessing Suggs is probably about even right now. If somebody would have to have a pretty good game to outdo Suggs if the Zags win, just based on the narrative of what happened in the last goddamn game. Like that was so electric. So I think, yeah, I think that uh, Suggs probably takes it if he wins. But, you know, if Timmy dropped, Timmy dropped like 30 points the other week or, you know, against. Uh, couple weeks back if he has a huge game like that again he can certainly get it and then uh oh they're both around plus 115 right now yeah. and then uh yeah Suggs high school highlights i remember that shit he played minnesota like that the, the game against wilmer like yeah he's a stud um player props no i i think it went over three on those friday i hate player props now <laughs> they all went to shit. All the games went the opposite of how I thought. So I probably will still dig. I'm not going to let one bad performance. You'll find uh, some, I'm out. sure. Yeah, I'll still dig into those. So I'll dig You'll into those this afternoon. I'm going to be doing lots of baseball, golf, and some other stuff this afternoon. But I will take a look at that because there's some po- small player props for sure. I'll probably like. Yeah, I'm sure. You'll but find the actual that. play, the actual play is still the over. I think this should probably be. A little closer to you know 162-163. I, I I absolutely believe in this Bears offense. They're going to score. It's really good offense, but they're not going to be able to slow the Zags down like they have been to other teams with this improved defense. So gimme, gimme, gimme the over. Give me some points. That's good we've got it over because I have a feeling that this next segment's gonna be a little more underful. Yeah, here's some unders. Um, so we're done with Miami. Explain the WTA calendar. What are we doing this week? So after Miami, everybody splits up. Um, some of the women go a little bit north to South Carolina to play in Charleston, and some of the women go south to Columbia, to Bogota to play. a. Uh, so there's a WTA 250 and then the WTA 500, the bigger tournaments in Charleston. So we'll start here with Bogota. Now, we are making the transition to clay here, one of the most important parts of handicapping tennis knowing your surface and knowing how the player plays on the surface. Um, we'll talk about different kinds of clay a little bit more when we get to Charleston, but Bogota has your classic red clay. It's very slow. It's really hard to hit the ball through. Um, power players do still have an advantage because they can hit the ball through, but you'll find it's much harder for them if they don't have a certain amount of movement. Players that are in a little bit of physical shape that do have you know, maybe a better set of legs underneath them tend to do better on clay, but at the same time, if they don't have that, requisite amount of power that minimum amount of power you need to hit through some of the clay it's a little tricky but as you go back through what you'll see is certain players are clay specialists some are hardcore specialists yes there are certain players that have all court games um but you know again if you're starting to go down and break these down yourself we're making the transition to clay make sure if you've got a model or you're looking at any particular stats that you switch everything to clay mode here and we'll start in Bogota. Now, one of the things about clay, um, the matches tend to actually go quicker. Um, what we find is with slower courts, there's a lot more break opportunities, and match totals actually drop about, about half a game to about 0.6 games, depending on um, what subsection you look at and how many years you go back. So with that in mind, you know, as I start to look here at the market, I think that they're still hanging um, some totals that maybe. You know, not that this is a hardcore total necessarily at 21, but I have this closer to 20, almost 20 and a half. Yafan Wong is playing, um, I'm trying to remember, what is Miss Arango's name? She is a local Colombian, Emiliana Arango. Um, Wong has not won a match yet this year. 
um, has just been really, really just a mess. Arango, um, playing in her home country, really likes being on clay here. She's got the surface advantage. I thought maybe about taking Arango, but there was more value here for me to go under 21. Again, I would hang a 20 here, maybe a juicy 20, a cheap 20 and a half, something like that. So I have to go under 21 games here instead of over, Andy. I know that that's a change for you. I don't, how do you feel about that? I don't mind it, especially with the surface change. We're we're heading to a couple different. Sir, I, f- I feel like Charleston's clay too. Maybe a different color though. Charleston right. is clay. And it's a green clay, which it's not just that the color's different, the consistency's different. It's not as sluggish and slow as as maybe the red clay, if you will. Um, Yes, it's slower than hardcore, but it's not quite your traditional clay. Um, this particular tournament's interesting. If you go back and look, um, a particular kind of player tends to win. Somebody like Madison Keys, who has just enough movement, a lot of power. So what you see there is it, it's a little tougher to handicap. I still use my clay numbers here, but every once in a while, I'll just double check some hardcore stuff. Maybe if I don't have a big enough sample on clay. Similar to what we just talked about here, Putin Seva Pekovic. We're going to go under 20 games here. Yulia Putin Seva. Um, you know, head-to-head is interesting in tennis. She's played Pekovic five times over several years and has just beaten the absolute pants off of her. Um, you know, I generally try to stay away from head-to-head a lot unless it's in the last couple of years. But when I start to think about the style and, and these two players here, um, Putin Seva plays a really aggressive, hardworking um, brand of tennis. Pekovic has been very open and honest about playing tennis while also doing some other things. She, she does, she hasn't been terribly competitive at all over the last year or so. And I think Putin Seva is just playing a brand of tennis. She's not interested in. So I think this match will be over very quickly. I looked at maybe laying the four games with Putin Seva. That's not a bad option. If you have 20 and a half, if you have 19 and a half instead of 20 here. Um, but I was able to find a cheap 20. I like that a little bit better. So I think we'll have a quick match here, Andy. I'm I'm gonna stop you here too because Patrick asked how like why do they play on clay, and then we didn't answer immediately, so he googled it because he's impatient. And honestly, I don't think I would yeah, answer this way either. I don't know. I don't yeah, like to know what the answer is. Yeah, it it is. I mean, it is just crushed red brick. It's it's really crushed down. It's a pain when it's wet. It sticks to the ball sometimes when you do end up some wet conditions. You can Messes get really heavy balls. No, really, yeah, this will be clippable. You can get really heavy balls. Yeah, it is. It is messy too. Even when it's dry, it's sometimes messier when it is dry. So, clay, clay is a funny surface. I mean, horseshoes play on clay too, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's more can you know, like I've never been on a clay court in my life. It's just not something we have up north. Right. You'll see this down in the south. Obviously, in South America, there's a lot of it. Spain, ton of this. Uh, the Caribbean, the Caribbean, the Mediterranean. That's where a lot of these tournaments are because it's just where they have these. And I, I think a lot of it is just harder to grow the right kind of grass in hotter climates as well. Yeah, grass is is really difficult, um, and it's expensive. You know, so there's there's a lot of cost there. Clay, like you said, um, you see that kind of all over, except really North America for whatever reason. We don't have a lot of clay um, here, even Charleston, you know, one of the few places we do have clay, it's not your traditional clay. Um, Players actually kind of like the clay better sometimes. If you ever listen to Rafael Nadal talk, he's someone that's big about kind of his his health and the wear and tear on his body from playing tennis. And they like being able to slide. It puts a lot less pressure on. And, you know, if I had to guess, it was probably invented just to to have tennis give a little feel. I mean, if you went from playing grass, grass tennis to playing clay, you know, maybe what they were looking for was a little more rallies, whereas grass is a lot faster. So it's a lot more serve and volley. Exactly. So, well, let's close her off with another under, I guess. We're going to cheer, cheer against people love the third set stuff. I know. It's tough. Cheer against third sets. 
I know. Well, it's, maybe we could have a three set under. We'll try to thread that needle maybe once. Um, Lauren Davis playing Madison Brengel here. Again, under 21 games. I would have this closer to 20 and a half, maybe even 20 myself. Two women that, um, you know, again, solid players. This isn't necessarily their best surface. Generally play very fast matches. Uh, to be honest, more of a data play for me. Um, as I started to look at some of the qualitative stuff, they played a few times. It's generally pretty quick. Neither one of them's been doing anything too fantastic lately. Um, but more of just a numbers play here for me. Again, I think this should be 20 and not 21, maybe even 20 and a half, you know, if I was trying to be polite. But I like the ender here again at 21. I'll get down. I like some women's tennis on a Monday. I need something to sweat because I didn't bet baseball. <clears throat> I was talking to Alex off air a little about this. I spent entirely too much time <laughs> building out a model and an array to plan out baseball survivor league, which we, I'll probably be out immediately because I spent like four hours goofing around with numbers <laughs> and playing and trying to plan the perfect survivor league strategy. So this afternoon I'm going to clean up a little and try to get some baseball props going this week. But um, like I said, the, and I had to double check this, Deep dive tonight with uh, Mr. Mazzola will be at 6 Eastern instead of the normal 8 Eastern. We'll go two hours early so we can make room for the national title game. We're not idiots. We're not going to compete with that. So if you do want to hop in there on the YouTube channel, you can ask questions live. We'll be on Twitch, YouTube, Periscope, I think, still, and uh, Facebook, of course. And you can check us out there, both shows. And, of course, I forgot all about this. You still can sign up for your $500 risk-free bet and Make put sure it in the natty do. tonight. You know what? That, that's Here's the thing. If you live in one of these states and you have a future and you want to hedge, you know the best way to hedge would be with a risk-free bet. Go If you have Zags, go bet Baylor with $500 risk-free. And if it, if it loses, oh, well. So, uh, yeah, you check idea. that out. The links are in the pinned tweet for Brown Bag Bets. Thanks for the hang, guys. We'll catch you tomorrow. Like I said, special guest Wednesday, and uh, good luck. Mm -hmm.